Okay. So we got sound. We're being told we're running two mics. Uh, and so hopefully uh, one will work for you or, or not. Um, I got Dave in the back. Thank you, Dave, for coming in and helping out. We are keeping our social distance. We're about 50 feet away from each other. <laughs> uh, but if there's an issue with the sound, go ahead and comment on it, and uh, Dave can help us with that. He's controlling the volume. Uh, there aren't a whole lot of announcements. We've made announcements, and since we don't really know where we're going to move with uh, or how long this is going to take, um, we can't really make plans for where we're going with church. We're still doing a Wednesday night Bible study. You can find that link on Facebook, or you can email us, and I'll email you the link. We're doing that on a Zoom meeting. Uh, we're also meeting as a men's group on Saturday mornings uh, via Zoom, and same thing. If you would like to join us in that Bible study, uh, by all means, just let us know. We'll get you the link um, through email or through Facebook, um, and we'll get that taken care of. Uh, a reminder, there will be no Easter festival, excuse me, festival at Tivoli next week due to all this, uh, but we will look at doing something once all this clears up, maybe over the summer, to uh, bring some joy to those people that live out at Tivoli. All right. So if you have a birthday this last week, we want to take a moment to say happy birthday. I'm not going to hurt your ears by singing. Uh, and bugging everybody, but uh, I want to take a moment to say happy birthday to you and that we celebrate your life and your um, time with us here at River of Life Church. Um, if you had an anniversary this last week, give a shout out here and you guys can uh, congratulate each other, let us know how many years it's been. Uh, and, and those anniversaries aren't just wedding anniversaries. They could be a defeat of cancer. It could be uh, a milestone in your life that you celebrate every year because it's been such an impactful moment. Um, I know a lot of us celebrate our baptisms year to year um, with a, with a shout-out on the date that we were baptized. So go ahead and take a moment to do that. Um, and uh, have some time on there. Uh, I can see some comments popping up, so that's great. Um, let each other know what's going on in your lives. This is a time of community, a time to get together. I know a lot of people are saying that the church is shutting down, right, that we're not in our buildings, but the church has never been the building. Uh, the church is the people who gather in that building, and so we can still come together via social media, through phone conversations, uh, even old-fashioned snail mail. Send each other a letter every once in a while. Stay connected. Uh, reach out to your neighbors via phone and let them know that you're thinking of them and praying for them. We have an opportunity to do so much in this time to regain what it means to be in true relationship with the people around us. Uh, that I, I don't want to see you lose that opportunity. I don't want to see that dissipate just because we feel that we're being distant socially. Uh, you can't contract COVID-19 via a telephone or social media. So go ahead and utilize those tools. Um, yesterday, I put out a quick thing uh, just as I was going through uh, my reading, I came across the back end of Colossians. Uh, Paul says, you know, while I'm in chains, I'm writing this letter. The salutation is in my hand. Remember my chains is how he says it. Uh, Paul wrote four of the New Testament letters, the epistle letters, or, or are known as the, the prison letters, uh, while he was imprisoned um, in home arrest, uh, being isolated, not being able to travel, not being able to see people on a regular basis. And so, um, there can be a lot done and we can influence the lives around us uh, immensely uh, through communication. It doesn't have to be in person. Uh, so take that opportunity. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and dive into the Word a little bit here. Uh, not just a little bit, we're going to spend a little bit of time in it this morning. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 16. We're going to skip a little bit of 15. 
Uh, we'll come back to that towards the uh, time of Pentecost. Um, and so we'll come back and review some of what we're skipping over right now. But we're going to be in chapter 16, starting in verse 16 through 24. And um, I want to kind of set the frame. So we are today celebrating Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday was the day that Jesus came into Jerusalem riding the donkey. The people were cheering. They were um, you know, just in great joy and happiness because they believed their king who would throw Rome out and retake uh, the throne of Israel and raise Israel up as a great country again were, was marching into Jerusalem. That was their hope. That was what they saw in Jesus Christ. Now, us sitting here 2,000 years later understand that that's not the reality of what happened, that their want wasn't exactly what God had planned for them in that concept of Jesus being a conquering king. But his conquering kingship is above and beyond anything that we can ever imagine. Now, as we, as we remember today, Palm Sunday, we studied it about a month and a half ago. We were going through that section of scripture here in John, and we were talking about what it meant for him to come in on the donkey and why that was important in the Old Testament and the prophecies that were given, how the laying down and the of the palm uh, palm leaves as they walk through and the, the joy and the laughter and the shouting of Hosanna as he walked in, uh, what that all meant. But the main point that I want to redraw our attention to in today as being Palm Sunday is what the people wanted isn't what they got. What they were hoping for wasn't what God delivered in their eyes. Now, it's exactly what they received in the resurrection of Christ, but the people didn't understand it. Instead, they were cheering for something worldly, cheering for something that would be finite. Because if Jesus would have just been a man who came back and threw Rome out and, and regained the Israeli nation and the kingdom and retook a throne in Jerusalem, he would have eventually have died and Rome would have eventually came back in or some other country. This had happened to Israel because it was a small country at a very... Uh, transient location in the world where people were passing through it all the time. It was key, so big, big countries or big kingdoms back in those days were fighting for it all the time. Uh, it would have been a temporary fix. It wouldn't have been a lasting effect upon it. And so today when we read the scripture, starting in verse 16, chapter 16 of John, we're going to see that Jesus here teaches his disciples as he's walking to the garden. So they've left, left the room where they've done the um, the Good Friday meal or the, the Seder meal. They've, they've, they've done the last communion or what we practice as last communion, I should say, meal. And now they're moving to the garden and he's now teaching them as they walk. So if you could, please stand with me. Verse 16 starts. A little while and you will no longer see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Then some of his disciples said to one another, what is this he's telling us? A little while and you will, know, you will not see me? And again, a little while and you will see me? And because I am going to the Father? They said, what is this he is saying? A little while. We don't know what he's talking about. Jesus knew they wanted to ask him. And so he said to them, Are you asking one another about what I said? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Truly, I tell you, 
You will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. And so you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy from you. In that day, you will not ask me anything. Truly, I tell you, anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, so that your joy may be complete. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before your awesomeness, and we are in awe of your greatness, your mercy, your grace, the provision that you give us, the hand of protection that you shield us with. Lord, we lift up a joyful noise to you in our homes. We give thanks that at this time of isolation, at this time of being separated from each other, we have the tools that we do, whether it's social media or telephones. Lord God, we give thanks for it. We give thanks for the fact that we can come together and worship and praise your holy name and hear your wisdom and truth in your word. And so, God, we ask that you bless us through this, that you change and challenge us through this, that you give us your Holy Spirit as a helper to shift our heart, to be more mindful of what your will is during this time, to share your love so that others may be able to see it, that you may be glorified through this all, Lord God. Lord, for that is the greatest thing we can do is that which glorifies you. Lord, let our heart dwell on that. Let our mind focus on that. For Lord, we are your church. Amen. All right. So here he starts out with a confusing saying, obviously, to the disciples. A little while and you will no longer see me. Again, a little while you will see me. Now, there's a lot of debate on what he's talking about. Some people give it an eschatological or end times conversation that's in there. But in context, we definitely cannot put it at that. It's not talking about the end times that are coming. He's, he's talking about the resurrection. Because with the resurrection comes such a huge, powerful change in our lives. See, up until the resurrection, our lives were finite. We had no promise of eternalness outside of the nation of Israel unless you were one of the chosen. But through Jesus Christ, all people, the whole world, can receive eternal life through belief in Christ, right? This concept of faith that we talk about. And so if we don't if we take this out of context and we remember what's going to happen here in a, shoot, in a few short hours, uh, for us, we're gonna be celebrating as this week goes on, we can see clearly that what he's talking about is he's going to go and he's going to die. And he's giving his disciples this knowledge. Now he's told them this several times throughout the, chap- or throughout the book of John, But he's giving them this final reminder as he walks to the garden where he's going to kneel and pray to God to to pass the cup if that's God's will, but to let him have strength to go through and do what he needs to do to glorify God in the situation. He's going to go to the cross in less than a week's time. Hey, Dave, what's going on?
Okay, no, there's something weird on my screen. It's, I don't know if you want to come up and take a look or what. Is it still transmitting everything? Okay, so I'm sorry. I'm getting something weird on the screen that's in front of me and I can't read it from how far away it is, so I apologize. But so anyways, what we've got going on here is that Jesus is giving them that final reminder as he walks to the place where he's going to be betrayed. He's going to be taken before the courts and before you know, Pontius Pilate and Herod and, and all, the, all the areas that are out there. And, and what we've got going on, what we've got is the disciples trying to understand this final saying, what it means that he's going to be gone for a little while, and, and rightfully so, because in the Old Testament, they would have read several times throughout time that in that process of the Old Testament, uh, or in the process of reading the Old Testament, um, this concept of a little while was very commonly used in end times discussion. It was used to let Israel know that their suffering would end in a while, that it wasn't going to be a long-lasting effect, that God's grace and mercy would come upon them. And so they're, they're trying to understand Jesus' new words and Jesus' new meaning and what the resurrection will be from an Old Testament point of view, and it's really difficult because it's not the same thing. See, in the Old Testament, God's promises were to Israel. And that Israel would be the blessing to all nations. And now Jesus is becoming that blessing to all nations in a new way. A new covenant is being made. This is what Jesus tells us in the, in the, in the Last Supper, is that this is the new covenant that he is making for us to be in. And so they're, they're confused and they're arguing, or I don't want to say they're arguing, but they're, they're having this conversation back and forth. What is he telling us, they say in verse 17? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while you will see me. You know, they're quoting him. And because I am going to the Father, which actually comes back from uh, earlier in the chapter and back in chapter 15 also. Um, and they say, you know, what is he saying? A little while. We don't know what he's talking about. See, sometimes I think we have that same issue going on in our lives, right? We see the teachings of Jesus Christ. We see his miracles, but we don't understand them. We don't understand them for the divine nature that they're coming from. We don't understand it from a point of view of, of a God who loves us so deeply that he comes and interacts with us. And so we, we're confused when we see that. And I hear that all the time when I talk to people, believers and non-believers, who are confused when they look at Jesus Christ and they're like, I don't understand him. I'm not getting him. All right, well, what we were talking about was how the, the confusion that the disciples had was because when these terms, a little while or in a short time, were being used in the Old Testament, uh, they meant that Israel was going to be removed from their trial in a short period of time, that God was going to bring mercy and grace and relief upon them and that they would only have to suffer for a while. Um, it was a concept of, of moving towards a time when God's provision was coming back into their lives or, or towards that end time when God would bring about his kingdom again. And so they're confused and they're saying, they're like, what is he talking about? And Jesus knows this. He knew what they wanted to ask him. He, he knew what was on their mind. He knew the confusion because they didn't understand the fullness of what the resurrection was going to bring into place. The very thing that we're about to celebrate next Sunday in Easter is this, this huge celebration of the resurrection, the empty tomb where, where God comes back and defeats death that we may have eternal life, right? And so he knows that this is coming. He knows what God's will is because you know, they're, they're together on this. He's told us that several, several times that him and, and the Father are the same. So he knows what the plans are. 
And so he says, what are you asking one another about what I said a little while and you will not see me? And again, a little while and you will see me. And then he gives them this piece of information in 20 to help explain what is to come, what we're going to um, kind of talk through and experience over this next week. But he says in verse 20, truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. So let's break that down a little bit. What he's reminding the disciples or what he's preparing them for, because he's talked a little bit about this in the past, but now he's really giving them a clear understanding is that there's going to be a moment when they're filled with sorrow. And that comes with the crucifixion, right? They had their dreams and hopes for Jesus too. Now they may have understood it more than the cheering crowd that on, on Palm Sunday or on the Sunday before all this transgresses. Um, has this deep understanding of wanting a new king to come in. They may not have had that understanding because they knew Jesus a little bit deeper, but they saw him as a conquering king. And they had their hopes and their dreams in Jesus Christ too. And they were their hopes and dreams, not necessarily what Jesus was telling them because he's been pretty clear throughout that he's, he's got to go, he's got to die, he's got to go away so that the Father can send another one, the paraclete, the helper that we talked about last week. And so what we've got is a misunderstanding. He's giving them that narrowing, under, or that narrowing of an understanding. He's, he's telling them, listen, you're going to be in great sorrow. When this is said and done, there will be great joy after it. But there's going to be a period of time when you are in sorrow. And what's going to be really hard for you is the rest of the world around you will rejoice. They'll be full of joy in that time while you're in deep sorrow. But don't worry about it. Because your sorrow will become joy. And what he's talking about there is, even though I'm going to go die, and you're going to feel great sorrow in those times, I'm coming back and you will see me again. And that will bring great joy to you because you'll understand the ramifications of the action. You will understand the fullness of the resurrection. You will understand what my tasking or what my obedience to God is bringing about. And he gives them a little parody or a, a parable inside. He says, when a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. Now I can tell you, I've been around for five children being born. And uh, I don't think that pain is quite uh, forgotten, right? I mean, let's just be honest about this. Um, I, I don't think that is a forgotten pain. But I can tell you this right now. Having watched five children be born, I know that my wife was willing to go through that pain to see a newborn life come into place. If you've given birth to, a, to multiple children, you, you understand that truth. You understand exactly what Jesus is talking about here. He's, he's saying that that sorrow has to come, that pain and and childbirth has to come. But in that pain comes this beautiful, gorgeous life. And that's exactly what he's giving them a hint towards is, listen, you're going to have to be in sorrow. You're going to feel some pain for a while. But after you go through that pain, there's a beautiful life on the backside of it because you will, fi you will finally understand the fullness of my purpose here on earth, my, my existence here, the, the direction and the mission that I am following my Father's direction on. 
And you will see this beautiful life that is everlasting and that is full of vitalness and an ability to thrive. See, this is what he's promising them. He's telling them that, listen, even though you're going, to, you're going to mourn for a while and have sadness in your heart, there will be great joy. And this is a beautiful thing for us to remember because today we celebrate Palm Sunday, the victorious king walking into Jerusalem, but we know what happens between now and Good Friday, right? We, we understand the, the trials that he goes through, both with his disciples in doubt, the betrayal of Judas, the trial that will come that we'll, we'll talk about next Friday. But we also know that the great joy is his resurrection on Saturday, and that's what we're moving towards. And so he reminds them that even though you will have sorrow, it's okay, because there will be great joy, and that is what you will take away, and, and nothing will take that away from you. Because why? Because nothing can take away our faith in Jesus Christ. Nothing can transfer us from a place of believing in Jesus Christ and his truth and the resurrection and removing the hope that a God who brought resurrection and redemption through that resurrection can be taken away from us. The only way we can have that taken away is if we give it away and we refuse to hold on to it. And it gives us this further... He says, in that day you will not allow, or you will not ask me anything. And truly, I tell you, anything that you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. What he's reminding them here is, is not that ask whatever your little heart wants in my name and you'll receive it. What he's saying is, when you realize that the actions I'm going through and, and the joy that comes out of the resurrection on the backside of it, when you realize the power that comes with that, the eternal life that you're gifted with, that's what you'll ask for. You'll ask God to bless you with eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so when you ask for this in my name, when you, when you recognize that this is done through God, through Jesus Christ, then your joy will be complete. Why? Because you'll receive the eternal life. You'll receive the Holy Spirit into your soul. And, and the three will dwell with you as we studied last week. This, this church is our complete joy. The very fact that even though what the world wanted didn't come about and the finite temporary thing that would have came if the world would have got what it wanted didn't come about, we receive something far greater in belief in Jesus Christ. We receive eternal life, a kingdom that is perfect and righteous, God's kingdom. Not man's kingdom, not the earth's kingdom, but God's kingdom. And this is our complete joy. This is what fills our heart and allows us to make it through those difficult times. That is the lesson that we learn today. That as he walked towards the garden and taught and enlightened his disciples was that through all of this week as we move towards Good Friday and we contemplate what it meant that our God, Jesus Christ, had to go to the cross for our sin, for the sin of the time and the sin previous, the, the historical, for all sin, for all time. As we contemplate what that means, that we have a God who loves us enough to come and walk through the trials, to be tempted and overcome those temptations, to walk obediently to the cross and suffer and pay the price, as we contemplate the very fact that our sin is what pinned him to that cross. 
As we move to Good Friday and we, we take a moment to actually remember and, and live that out in our minds and our hearts on Good Friday, the, the actual act of the crucifixion is the very fact that we can make it through this week in those contemplations because we know on the backside of it that we have eternal life, that we have the redemption of Jesus Christ through the cross, through the resurrection. And we have joy in that. And so now we sit in this time of uncertainty and, and unknownness. And I see people say, you know, it's a shame that the churches will be empty because this is going to continue on for a while. But the fact is, is the church is never empty because in the church is Christ. Because the church is the body of Christ and his very spirit dwells amongst us as the Father and the Son do also. And there is nothing, there is nothing that can take that away from us. The only way that becomes a true statement that the church is empty is if we give away what is filled up with inside of us. See, our joy comes from something so much deeper, so much grander, and so much powerfuler than anything else. And we can't just give it away and we have to hold on to it. And so church, I challenge you this week. As we go through this week, I will post several online um, opportunities to, to revisit what it meant for Christ to go to the cross so that we can contemplate the very price that was paid so that we can understand the depth of sin in this world. Because when we understand the depth of sin in this world, we actually understand the depth of the resurrection, the blessing of the resurrection, and the joy that comes from the resurrection. If we don't take that time to understand the cost that led to the resurrection, then the resurrection becomes something that's just kind of feeble and mindless. But when we remember it in fullness of why the resurrection had to happen and what we are blessed with on the backside of it, that is what gives us joy in our lives. So church, this week as we go through this, remember that in the end, Christ overcame all. And that our belief in him, our asking God for eternal life through Jesus Christ brings us a joy that is complete. It's the truth that we live in in the 21st century. And nobody, not a single person can take that away from us. I ask that you be blessed. I ask that you have a, a powerful week this week as we go in, that you find time to spend in the word and remember the very teachings of Jesus Christ. To remember the cost of what sin and the depth of what sin has brought on this world and the very battles that we continue to fight through nowadays. But I also want you to have the joy, a complete joy, and knowing that you have a God who loves you and cares for you, who obediently went to the cross so that you could be seen whole again through him, through Jesus Christ. Share that message. Put it on Facebook. Call people. Remind them of the joy that we have in Jesus Christ. God bless. Have a wonderful week. Sorry for the technical difficulties. And amen.